This is Journey Church Podcast. Here at Journey, we believe in encountering God and embracing people. From wherever you're listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Thank you, Pastor. So good to be with you. Give me a little bit of house light so I can see everybody. Wow. Say this with me. Say, great churches have... Yeah, you know it. We've been doing that for a couple of nights now, and it's been so good to spend time with you. It's been so good to spend time with your leaders, with your people, and uh, wow, just feel truly honored to be here in the city of Calgary. I think God God has always had some great plans for the city of Calgary, uh, and I think the enemy's tried to, to snuff it out a little bit. But how many know that God's agenda is going to reign and rule over everything else? Can I get an amen this morning? Man, it's so, so good to see you. Thanks for being here today. Uh, If I knew I was speaking, I wouldn't show up. So (laughs) that's just how we roll. And I might say a few things that shouldn't be said in church. Uh, I'm third generation Pentecost, which means I'm third generation screwed up, messed up. And so I'm a work of redemption in process. I've been in the ministry for 38 years. We've been married this November 3rd. We've been married 40 years. Been married 40 years to the love of my life, my bride, Esther. Would you just uh, stand up, little honey, and just wave at the people there? And uh, (laughs) Esther and I, we actually do a lot, fair amount of ministry together. We're going to do some ministry in uh, BC in a couple weeks, uh, where we're going to share together. And uh, she's just a champion for God. I, I, I personally know of no woman out there that is, has more faith, full of faith. Like, you know, there's people that think they have faith, but they actually don't have faith. They have a variation of faith. They have a pseudo uh, definition of faith. But my wife is full of faith. Everybody say full of faith. And, I tell, and it's faith that moves mountains. It's faith when we, when we speak to things by faith. They gotta move. They've gotta. They've gotta step back. Can I get an amen this morning? Wow. So let's say it again. Great churches have great stories, and it's the great stories that God is unlocking, that God is releasing for His people. Uh, Revelations twelve eleven says that that they overcame Him, overcame who? They overcame the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their. And so we know the work of the Lord Jesus Christ has been a, it's a complete work. It's a finished work. That last song that they were singing there, that's good theology. Jesus overall. Man, that's just like solid. You, they could have sang that in the 1800s, the 1700s, because it's good theology. It's a good decree. It's good that it got good decreed into the atmosphere. But the, so we know that the, the work of Christ is finished, but the testimonies are not finished yet. Turn to your neighbor and say, your testimony is about to happen. Turn to the other side say, your testimony is about to happen. See, our testimony is not designed just to, uh, to have a little service with a few testimonies. Our testimony is not designed to even put a little excerpt in a book or on the website or whatever. Our testimony is designed to push back darkness. It is designed to push back discouragement and to push back hopelessness. And so when we, when we say that great churches have... These great stories are not just a, a footnote in our life. They're a chapter. 
uh, they're a big part of our journey. They're a big part of our lives. And some of the testimonies that haven't yet to manifest in your life, I believe I've come to help unlock that so that you can begin to experience the fullness of the testimonies so that you can live at a whole other level in the bigness and the goodness of God. Can I get another amen this morning? And so what I want to do with you this morning is I want to finish everything up that we've been talking about for the last couple of days. We spent time with the leadership on Friday and then last night and last, or sorry, Friday evening and last evening. And I just kind of want to bring it all together. And and if you're taking notes this morning, I've entitled this Making Room for the New. Will you say that with me? Say Making Room for the New. Will you say it one more time? Say Making Room for the New. And I'm going to go to a couple passages this morning, but the first passage is out of Leviticus 26, 9 to 13. It says this, I will look on you with favor. Everybody say favor. How many know that a day of favor is worth more than a lifetime of labor? Do you know God can do more in your life in 24 hours? Do you know by, by the time you wake up tomorrow morning, God can do more things in your life than everything that's happened in your entire life? That's the bigness of God and the goodness of God. And we've been trying to elevate people's faith here over the last couple of days. We've been trying to lift people up a little bit, get them thinking bigger about their big God, their generous God. We've been speaking about looking up to the stars and saying that's how big God is and how big he wants to do in our life. We've been talking about coming like Abraham did. He came outside of his tent and God said, look up. What do you see? He says, I see a million stars. God says, I dare you to count them. What was he trying to do? He wasn't trying to mess with Abraham's mind. What he was trying to do was get his faith bigger. He was trying to get him to look beyond his circumstances. He was trying to get him to look beyond where he presently was. Because listen to me, you can't get to where you're going to go unless you can see where you're about to go. That's how faith works. And God will provide you with the faith. He'll provide you with the instruction. He'll provide you with everything you need to get there. But we got to yield to that. And, I, and what I want to uh, unpack for you this morning is we've got to make room for this. So let's carry on with this. It says, I will look on you with favor and make you fruitful and increase your numbers. And I will keep my covenant with you. How many know we serve a covenant keeping, a covenant making and a covenant keeping God? We are in covenant with God. We have a contract with God. And I'll tell you something, if God says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. Can I get an amen? I will look on you with favor and make you fruitful and increase your number. And I will keep my covenant with you. You will still be eating last year's harvest, watch this, when you're going to have to move it out to make room for the new. Say this with with me this morning again. Say, I'm making room for the new. Say it again. Say, I'm making room for the new. You may say, why are you spending all your time having people repeat stuff? Because I want you to get this. I want you to grab a hold of this. I want you to get a revelation, get an under an understanding of what God wants to do. And I want you to understand that this year counts. I want you to understand that as we step into this place of God making room for the new, that this is not just some little nice a point in a poem or some little point in my sermon here today I want you to know that God's got some things he wants to do today he's got some things he wants to do this week he wants to do some things this month come on somebody he's we wants to do some things this year and what we do sometimes in the kingdom of God is we just hold back a little bit much we don't want to pray for too much we don't want to believe for too much we don't want to press in for too much then we'll just keep pushing it out there the miracle will come sometime the miracle happens someday worst case 
case scenario to happen when I get to heaven. But God provided something for you today. He provided something for you right now. And what we have to do is we got to make room for that. Say it with me again. Say, I'm making room for the new. Say it again. Say, I'm making room for the new. And I've come to tell you, I've got in a plane and flew from Vancouver to let you know that God is going to do some things in your life, in your family, in your business, in your practice before the end of this year. Come on. That we're not going to stop pushing it way out there into the sweet by and by. He's going to do it now. Don't be surprised if God shows up in your life today, tonight, by the time you wake up tomorrow morning. we got to, again, stop pushing it way out there. That's not how faith works. Faith works in the now. Say it with me. Say, I'm making room for the new. How many know there's no wasted seasons with God? Now, take your Bibles with me and go to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. I still am very little bit uncomfortable with saying that this is a Bible. But it is a Bible, and it's, I'm okay with it. It's just like I was telling the, was telling the leadership, you can tell how old I am by, like, I've got my notes on here, and I love technology, but I don't trust it. <laughs> so I got, I got these notes. I got printed notes. I've got backup notes. I've got things in the iCloud. I've got things on Snapchat. I don't even know what Snapchat is. I, I, don't, I, I don't have stuff on Snapchat. But anyway, if I knew what Snapchat is, I might have it on. But, but the truth of the matter is, everybody say, I love the Word of God. This is the Word of God, whether it's on paper or whether it's in leather or whether it's on my iPad. Luke chapter 5, this is a, this is a passage of Scripture that I've been so passionate about. I bet you I've been uh, aggressively passionate towards this passage of Scripture for a good five years. Sorry, for a good 25 years. I'm looking at Luke chapter 5 there. Uh, and so let's, let's get into this. I'm going to put my glasses on because I'm going to want Dave to, Pastor Dave to feel better. <laughs> Notice it's the only time I've had my glasses on the whole time. Now, I haven't seen my notes at all, so... <clears throat> Luke chapter 5, verse 1 says, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats. Everybody say two boats. It's important. Two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. And there, then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon... Put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Let me read it again. When he had finished speaking to Simon, he said, Put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered him, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. How many know that's a big harvest? Turn to your neighbor and say, that's a big harvest. Master, we work hard all night and caught anything, but because you say so, I'm going to let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partner. Who was the other partner? The one in the other boat. How many boats were there? There are two boats. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished. Everybody say astonished. They were astonished 
at the catch of fish. How many know that these guys weren't out for a little fish fry holiday weekend, summer holiday, doing a little bit of fishing? This was, these were commercial fishermen. This was how they provided for their families. This is how they lived. And so, and we find Jesus just doing uh, the most amazing, incredible things. But what's interesting is these guys fished all night, fished where they knew the fish were, used the right nets, was out there at the right time doing all the right things, but they caught nothing. Nothing happened for them. And my first point this morning is this. Well, if we're going to make room for the new, it involves dealing with the dead works in our lives. If we're going to make room for the new, it involves dealing with the dead works in their lives. They had done everything right. And they had done everything right at the right time. They were doing the right thing at the right time with the right spirit and the right heart. But they caught, how many fish did they initially catch? They caught zero. Listen to me, that's called a dead work. That's called being unproductive. That's called something's not working like it should. And if we are going to make room for the new, God says he wants us to make room for the new. God says he's going to do some amazing things in our life. God says, like he said to Simon, and like he did for those disciples, and like he did for these fishermen, that they were so incredibly amazed. The word they use uh, in the Greek there says they were astonished. They were overwhelmed. That's why Peter, he, he, Simon, he fell to his knees and said, oh my goodness, I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so astonished. What was he astonished at? The goodness of God, the bigness of God, the blessing of God. God didn't just give them enough fish for them to get through the next couple of days. He brought so much fish that not only they were blessed, but their partners on the shore were blessed. They didn't have to do a thing other than get their stinking old boat out there and start to haul it in in Jesus' name. God wants to do some things in your life, in your family, in your practice. God wants to do some things in this church. And if you'll make room for it, if you open up your heart and open up your life and say, God, God I'm going to make room, as much room as I possibly can. Listen to me. He will astonish you and astonish your marriage and astonish this church and astonish this community. Why? Because that's the kind of God that he is. He wants to fill your boat so full that it's so overflowing that you got to bless somebody else. You got to help somebody else. You got to not just pay off this church. You got to pay off your neighbor's church in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. I need you to think bigger. I need you to think bigger and look bigger and take it up to a new level and say, God, what could be possible? And we need to be brave enough to ask the tough questions. Are there any dead works in my life? that I need to deal with now? Is there areas in my life that are not producing anymore for whatever reason? And I need to deal with that so that I can make room for the astonishing miracles that God says he wants to do for us. And I know it's not easy sometimes. I know it's tough sometimes when you've been working on something. First year, second year, fourth year, fifth year. But there has to come an understanding and another, a revelation that if it's not working, it's okay. It's not bad. You're not bad. It's not bad. The situation's not bad. But maybe, everybody say maybe. Maybe it's a dead work. And we just need to grab that thing and say, you know what? That thing's over in my life in Jesus' name. That situation starting this morning is over 
and we're going to make room for the new. See, that's why God wants to do it. He doesn't just want to deal with it for some religious exercise. He wants us to deal with it so that we'll make room for the new. We'll make room for what God wants to do. We'll make room like we've been preaching Friday night and Saturday night. The John 10 10 overflow. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that they may have a life, get a life, and have that life not just to the full, but to the overflow. Were those boats filled to the full? No. They were filled to the what? To the overflow. Why didn't God in his amazingness and his preciseness and, and he's just, God can do things so beautifully precise, but he doesn't work like that. When they were feeding the 5,000, did he provide just enough fish and chips? Just enough Swiss LA chicken. Mm, Swiss LA chicken. Nothing like some good Christian chicken. All right. Did he provide just enough fish and chips? No. Why? He doesn't think like that. He doesn't act like that. <clears throat> he doesn't respond like that. Did he provide? He could have said, here's just enough fish for you. And why don't you give those guys in the other boat just a little bit, just to bless them a little bit, maybe tithe to them or something, or just help them out a little bit. No, 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 no. He wanted to give them a vision. He wanted to give them an understanding. And he wanted to show up practically in their life, like he wants to show up in this church practically. And he wants to fill your boat so full that it begins to sink. Are you ready? Are you ready to make room for your company about to sink, not in debt, but in the blessing? Are you ready to see your practice start to sink, not because it's not doing well, because it's doing so well, and you've got to hire so many more people, and you've got more than enough provision to expand it? What is that? That's you making room for God to show up and astonish you, and astonish your colleagues, and astonish your community, and astonish this church in Jesus his name. Thank you for looking at me that funny. Making room for the new involves dealing with dead works. Are you liking this message here this morning? I hope you are. It's good. I hope my honorarium just went up. All right. <laughs> Jess is like, what honorarium? We, we're going to give you a love offering. I mean, I've traveled for many, many years and I've received a lot of love offerings. A lot of love and no offering. <laughs> All right. Secondly, not only do we make room for the new involves uh, dealing with dead works, but making room for the new involves capacity. Everybody say capacity. Listen to me. Our next season will require next capacity. New levels of capacity. Upper levels of capacity. Listen to me. God is never in the business of downsizing. God is never in the business of providing just enough for you. Now, listen to me. I understand sometimes businesses and stuff, they need to downsize. But it's for a purpose. It's to create room. Say it with me. Say, I'm making room. It's to make room for you to go to the next level. You will not obtain the next level without creating the capacity in your spirit, man, in your life, in your prayer, in your thinking processes, that God will be able to show up and do something incredible. Playing, I teach this to leaders all over the place, playing not to lose is bad leadership. Playing not to, well, we don't want to do too much or we don't want to hurt or we don't want to, no, 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 no. 
God is ready and has been ready to rock the people of this church and of this community and of this city like never before. This is not hyperbole. This is the truth of the word of God. He is ready this morning to not fill your boat to the full, but to fill it to overflow. But what he needs from his people is to make room in their capacity. And sometimes it's as simple as you saying, God, I open up my heart. I open up my life. God, I give you permission to help me think bigger and help me think better. Help me think more like you. God, I give you permission to help me see. We talked about Abraham a little bit last night. And when Abraham and Lot were going back and forth, back and forth, because Abraham was so blessed and his nephew Lot, excuse me, was getting blessed. And after a lot, after they had parted ways, God said to Abraham, I need you to look as far north as you can. As far east, as far west, as far south as you can. And the distance that you can see, whatever you can see, that's how much I want to bless you. That's the territory that I want to give you. And we talked a little bit about last night that for some people, they would have saw it to the front row here. Because sometimes the pushback that the enemy has played on our minds, the enemy at work in our lives getting us to think small. See, here's what happens. We pray for some big things. Some big things don't happen, so we lower our faith. And we continue to pray for some things and not much happens and we continue to lower faith because for whatever reason, we don't want to disappoint ourselves. We don't want to disappoint God, whatever. That's playing it safe, folks. We are, to, we are to increase our level of expectation. When God says, your thoughts are not my thoughts and your ways are not my ways, God was not saying, hey, I'm way up here. Look at me, I'm very powerful and you're not. God was saying, my ways and your ways are way up here I want you to come up with me. I want you to think like I think. I want you to talk like I talk. I want you to believe like I believe. I want you speaking and decreeing and declaring like it. God was not uh, on a power trip trying to let us know how cool and powerful he is. God was saying, hey guys, come on. I know you prayed for some things that's got worse. I know you sowed an offering. How many have ever sowed an offering and believing for some good things to happen and a bill comes in the mail? I have done that. I prayed for some people, they got worse. And somebody's saying, oh my, I'm so glad he didn't pray for me. <laughs> but I've also prayed for some people and it's rocked their world. I prayed for provision and it's, uh, it's, things have got unlocked, incredible. I prayed for corporations and companies and I've watched literally hundreds of millions of dollars transition. Have we not seen that? I mean, it's, 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 it's been bizarre. I'm just saying what we, what we chose to do was not would not try to bring God down to our level. We said we made a choice. We are going to make room for us to go up to his level. And yeah, is it a battle? Is it a struggle time? Yeah, you want to believe it, it is. But I'll tell you, it's, it's, we're to fight the good fight of what? Yeah, we're to fight the good fight of faith. We got to use our energy to use our faith. Not use, our, not use our energy to fight another church or to fight the city or to fight the government or get so distracted by all these other things. We got to make room for a greater portion of faith to say, God, we're going to believe for greater days. We're going to believe for bigger things. We're going to believe for things that we've been praying for for a long time and we just kind of gave up on it. And God is reminding you today that this is your time and this is your hour and this is your day and this is your church service here on this Sunday 
Sunday morning in the month of September 2022 that God is reminding you that he's about to astonish you. He's about to fill your boat till it starts to sink. He's about to show up and answer your prayer. That wayward son, that wayward marriage, that health issue. He said, I'm about to do something so big and so amazing that not just you'll be astonished, but everybody around you in Jesus' name. Thank you, that's good. Notice the level of clap between th- Friday night and tonight. It's getting, it's getting a little bit better. A little bit better. This is why your hockey team's not very good. Did I just say that publicly? Did somebody just throw a rock through my Vancouver Canuck car? Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Do you guys have that there? Oh, these guys have been so good. Thank you for all your hard work up there. Thank you. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Can you throw that up for me? Everybody say honor. Honor the Lord with your what? Yeah, with your wealth. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits. You see how, see, God didn't, he said honor him, and how do you honor him? You honor him with the first fruits. I grew up around apple orchards, and we as a hockey team would go and pick up you know the apple juice that you guys drink that you think's healthy? It has no worms in it? No. Because our hockey team used to pick up what they used to call the grounders. And they would take that and turn it into apple juice that you drank this morning at breakfast. But the worms are full of protein, so don't worry about it. I'm just kidding. No, I'm not kidding. Honor the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits. Everybody say first fruits. First fruits is this. You go to your best tree and you pick the best of the best of the best of those apples. And you bring that to the Lord. You don't take all the best of the best and then take them to market and try to sell them. Because the kingdom of God works differently. The kingdom of God works as you honor God, then God honors everything else. That's why the tithe is so important, but I'm not going to talk about, preach about that this morning. But we bring the tithe first so that everything else is blessed after that. And so bringing the first fruits is taking the best of the best of the best of those apples and bringing that to the Lord. So you honor him how? By bringing him the first and the best. Everybody say the first. Say and the best. Listen to me. This is not part of my sermon. But I just want to say to you. Do not pay your rent first. Honor God first. I'm not telling you not to pay your bills. As a believer you need to pay your bills. Hello. And you need to pay them on time. You need to honor your creditors. So that's another message. But I'm just saying to you. If, you're gonna, if you want to do things God's way, if you want to prosper God's way, if you want to honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, you honor him first. And you don't, you don't have to, you get to. Then what's going to happen? It says then your barns will be filled to overflowing. There is that stinking word again. What's up with God? Too much fish and chips, too much fish. Now he's filling our barns to overflowing. Like, what is, this, what, what is God's problem? God's problem is he loves us so stinking much. And he wants to bless us so much. He wants to overwhelm us. We have four grandkids. 
They have no concept of money, zero. They just know that if they need anything to come to Papa Nana, because there's an unlimited supply. Now, there's not, but in their minds, there is nothing too expensive for Nana and Papa. There's nothing, that, and they'll just say, we'll say, well, that's a bit much. They say, well, just pull out one of those cards. I said, you've been talking to the Alberta people too much. I was like, Take me to the next verse, Proverbs eleven twenty four. The world of the generous gets what? Larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets... Whew. Let me say it again. The world of the generous, what are we doing? We're making room. We're making room for the need. One of the ways that you want to make room for greater finances... Start to get more generous. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. It's just how it goes. Okay, let me let me carry on. I got to be done by I got to be done in uh, eighteen minutes. All right, can I do it? Yeah, I can do it. Great churches have. That'll be the first miracle of today. Me finishing on time. Hallelujah. All right. So making room. Well, we're uh, making room for the new involves dealing with dead works. Making room for the new involves capacity. Number three, making room for the new involves letting go. Letting go. Are there things that we've been holding on so tight and God needs to, to let it go? Letting go of that offense. Letting go of that disappointment. Forgiving yourself for those unwise decisions. Listen to me. Uh, I don't know if I said it to the leaders or not, but I, we, Dave and, uh, Dave and uh, Jessica, and I, we talked about it sometime during the week. And I said I would never follow a leader that hasn't made some level of some big mistakes. I just won't. Because I'm just like, you, know, like, you can't go through life and not make some mistakes if you're trying and if you're playing it, so first of all, if you tell me you haven't made mistakes, you're lying to me. <laughs> and secondly, you're lying to yourself, and you've lived such a sheltered and, and such a laid-back life. Like, I, I just don't know why you would want to do that. And so that's why, that's why I'm here following Dave and Jeff, because you have no idea the mistakes they've made. I'm just kidding. No, I'm not, actually. One of the ways we make room for the new is we let go of those, that baggage. And I find one of the biggest things that people are disappointed in is not just everybody else but themselves. And if you've made some bad financial decisions, some bad health decisions, some bad church decisions, some bad COVID decisions, oh my God, the things that the decisive spirit has been at work in the earth. Like, have you, can you just, I, I'm working with people that families are completely divided. And I think they will be forever because of stuff like this. It's so painful to watch. And I'm saying we need to be big enough to open up our spirit and let that garbage go. Come on, somebody. Let that junk, let that filth, let the discouragement, let that arrogance
If God is going to give us a John 10.10 life of overflow, we've got to make room. And one of the biggest areas that you can do that is just by letting that stuff go. Folks, let it go. You're holding on to things like, if you, if you just could look just a little bit further down the road and see what God wants to do for you. I'm not saying that it hasn't been, I'm not saying that it hasn't been tough. I'm not saying that you haven't heard some nasty things, some aggressive things. I'm not saying that that hasn't happened. But what I am telling you this morning is, if you're going to make room for the new, you've got to let that garbage go. Everybody raise your hand like this. Just get it up. Start your wave. Just wave like this just a little bit. Say bye-bye garbage. Say bye-bye offense. Say bye-bye lack. Say bye-bye stupidity. I may know the only thing worse than one stupid Christian is. The only thing worse than one crazy Christian is. You got it. Dave and Jess are learning. Hey, you hear that? My honorarium just bumped up again. All right. I'm, I'm just so we're clear, I've been staying at the Red Roof Inn. And uh, they have no towels, no hot water. They have no nothing. But it's really, it's like 1999. And it's like, so. But, but the truth of the matter is like we started, uh, you know, my honor. I started $500 in the hole. And now I'm, a, I'm about 100 bucks in the hole right now. So, so we should be good. We should, we're getting there, Jess. We're getting there. I'm going to keep, I, no, the first miracle is when I finish in nine minutes. Let me just say a little something. I, when I was up early this morning praying, I was thinking about this concept of letting go and thinking about the concept of, of, of strongholds and mindsets. And we talked a little bit like that over the weekend. But listen to this. A, a demonic stronghold. I got no slide for this, guys. My apologies for that. A demonic stronghold is a, is a pattern of thinking that is contrary to God's word. That's worth writing down. It's worth tweeting. It's worth Snapchatting. I don't know what Snapchatting is. A demonic stronghold is a is a pattern of thinking that is contrary to God's word. Some of us have got to the place in our faith expectation where we can't believe for anything good to happen. Listen to me. This is a demonic stronghold. And we need to be set free from that. Not tomorrow. Today. It's a stronghold that thinks exactly the opposite of what God's word says. And what happens in our journey is we face defeat, we face fear, we face discouragement. And what we do is we keep lowering ourselves and we get to this place where it just feels more safe to just say, I don't think anything good will ever happen to me. And this is so contrary to who God is. So contrary of what he wants to do. And that's why I've spent all this time preaching and ministering and decreeing and declaring here to say, folks, we got to make room for the greatness and the bigness of God and get to that place again where we don't just believe God could do it, that he can in his character, but that he wants to. 
the church wrestles not with God having the capacity. The church wrestles with God having the willingness. And I've come to tell you that God is willing. He's willing to fill your boat till it starts to sink. He's willing to restore those things that have been lost. And not just restore what was lost, but restore it sevenfold. Anything that the enemy's touched in your life, in your business, in your practice, in this church's life, God says he'll not just restore it, he'll make the enemy pay back seven times. So I need you to get ready and to make room in your life, make room in your spirit, make room in your bank accounts, in your family accounts, in your relationship accounts, in your emotional accounts, and say, God... I need you to fill them back up till the overflow in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, somebody. Third or fourth, whatever it is, we need to make room for God's unprecedented. Making room for God's unprecedented. It was about halfway through COVID. And I'm sitting watching CNN, CBC, Fox News. They're all crazy. Global, CTV. I'm thinking, is there any of them, is there any one of them that's like just doing their job? Nope, none of them. So I'm not, I'm, I'm not a preferential to constantly negative news or crazy Fox or, or CBC or whatever. I'm just saying that all of them were just trashing everybody and anything that could get in the way. And over and over and over, we heard the word unprecedented. Unprecedented death and unprecedented sickness and unprecedented shutdowns and unprecedented closures and unprecedented, bankru- unprecedented bankruptcies. And somewhere in the middle of that, I just started to talk back to the TV and said, Enough! Stop saying that word! And then I shifted and said, That's not a, that's not a word for the devil. That's a word for the kingdom of God. We got to start believing for some unprecedented things in the body of Christ. With some unprecedented prayers answered. And some unprecedented offerings in this church. And some unprecedented businesses starting. And some unprecedented relationships coming together. And some unprecedented healings taken. Folks, we got to take the word back in Jesus' name. We got to say we serve a big God who wants to do some unprecedented things. Right here, right now. We got to get sick and tired of being sick and tired and being talked down to and, and having your spirit so defeated that we just we've just laid down and died. It's time to rise back up again. It's time to get our faith back, get our life back, get our truth of the word of God back on the inside of us and start to believe that no matter what comes our way, oh, there's a recession coming. Oh my goodness, what are we going to do? Oh my God, there's inflation. Oh my God, what are we going to do? Listen, we've been here before. We've been through this stuff before. And I'm telling you, we're not just going to get to the other side we're going to make it far beyond and we're going to walk in the victory God can open up the heavens at any time in Jesus name do you know that for Abraham God said to him I need you to leave where you are and move towards that place wasn't exactly sure where he's going but He had to go to where God wanted him to go. And when he got there, the heavens were open. For Isaac, God said to Isaac, Isaac, I need you to stay where you are. And he was in a land that was 
uh, in a drought. Nothing was working. Nothing was growing. And God says to Isaac, Abraham had to go to the place. Isaac had to stay where he was, where he was, place of drought. And in that same season, and in the same year, it says that Isaac planted seed in a drought, in a recession, in a messed up economy, when nothing else was working. And he planted seed in that time, and it says he produced a hundredfold in a drought. Why? Because he was in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. He had a divine instruction. Listen to me. In order to get a divine breakthrough, you need a divine instruction. Simon would not have had a, an overflow boats filled to, the, filled to the overflow had Jesus not given the instruction. The instruction came the breakthrough instruction came, and the response also came. And he says, man, we've been fishing all night. We've worked hard. We've done everything right. It's not working. We're tired. We're weary. We've had enough. But Simon responded to the divine instruction. And the divine instruction, because he responded, produced a divine breakthrough. making room for the new. Allowing your spirit to get as big as it possibly can. God's not going to get any bigger. He's not going to get any more powerful. He's not going to get any more loving. He'll never, he's not going to love you any more than he loves you right now. And some, the, the problem with you not understanding the love of God is not him. It's your capacity to receive his love. It's your capacity to receive his miraculous. Listen to me. You deserve. Not like the Gen Z generation thinks. You deserve to walk in the bigness and the fullness of God. Why? Because of Jesus. Not because of your righteousness. Not because of your good works. Not because you put an extra 10 bucks in the offering today. Because of Jesus. Whew. Are you worthy? Yes, you are. Have you screwed up this week? Perfect, you qualify. Have you messed up for the last 10 weeks? Perfect! The grace of God is so much bigger than all that. Have you made, been making bad decisions for 20 years? Perfect! I'm so glad I'm not crazy like you people. I'm worse. But I know what it is to receive the beautiful grace of our Lord and our Savior. Would you take me to the, last, the very last passage of Scripture? The very end. Oh, thank you so much. Dear, dear Journey Church, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you.
Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live expansively. Live openly. Forgive yourself. Forgive your family. Forgive your government. Forgive your boss. What is God ready to do for you? Great churches have. And God's got some great stories for you. He's got some great stories for this church. It's already begun. And I just encourage you to open up your life. Open up your spirit, man. And maybe you used to pray years ago and God answered your prayers, but again, you got shut down for... And there's so many reasons for us to get shut down, and they're all real, and they're all legit as far as the, how we feel about it. But I'm asking you to open up your spirit again this morning. I'm asking you to look beyond where you've ever looked before. I'm asking you to come, on, come away from that very low ceiling of faith and ask Holy Spirit to begin to lift and help you think bigger, help you pray bigger, help you believe bigger, and give you the courage to believe God to fill the room, fill the space that you're making today. I have no doubt in my mind that he will fill that. I have no doubt in my mind that he wants to. I have no doubt in my mind that Esther and I came here to tell you about that, to remind you of that, and to stand with you. Say it with me. Say, I'm making room for the new. Say it one more time. Say, I'm making room for the new. Great churches. Yeah. Yeah. I'm expecting to hear some testimonies. I'm expecting to hear some big things. I'm expecting for God to show up like only he can. Are you with me? Amen. Bless you, Dave or Jess, who's ever coming. God bless you. Look at that miracle, 1144. Look at it, 1145. Look at that miracle. Thank you for joining us today on Journey Church Podcast. For more information about our ministry, visit myjourney.church.